Bird, Magic, like all these guys, like Barkley, like I could call Barkley, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. like it's the, all these guys, Isaiah Thomas, Dominique Wilkins, people whose posters were on my wall as a child are like colleagues of mine or friends of mine, you know? And I worked for a paper in Tulsa and it was scary. Like I would drive from Tulsa to Fayetteville for games and some practices and stuff. Did a lot of things on the phone, but I was definitely in Fayetteville a lot. And people would tell me like, be careful because that's KKK country in between the two cities. Over these past four years, certainly a lot has happened that not only showed the importance of the undefeated, or which I, I think is like, almost like a Jackie Robinson of sports journalism, but now you see like the New York Times and the Washington Post and different websites of note having similar uh, writers to write about race. I have written some stories that done some work that you know, will be significant in the human race, you know, um, the black race, the for people of color. With us now from his home in uh, California to talk a little bit about the sports writing business, covering sports is Mark Spears, who's the senior NBA writer for the Undefeated and ESPN. Mark, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Man, pleasure, man. You, you you bring me back to my youth. I don't mean to date you on this podcast, man, but, you know, growing up in San Jose, there was a lot of uh, journalism legends like yourself and, and Mark Purdy and Bud Geraci. And I just love hearing you guys, reading you guys, being around you guys, you know, um, and uh, Bob Butler and Bob Rucker, just Bay Area had a wealth of uh, journalism talent. And um, so certainly a pleasure to to get reunited with you, man. I'm, well, that, I'm happy that you know who I am because I certainly knew who you are growing up. Well, you're, you're embarrassing me, Mark. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, you would have been a student at San Jose State when I was broadcasting the San Jose State games back in the 90s. Don't want to date you, but I'm I'm certain it was uh, back in the 90s. Yeah. And uh, a full dis a disclaimer, we, we share uh, more than just the years of uh, living in the Bay Area. You uh, graduated from San Jose State's journalism program, and I got a graduate degree from San Jose yeah. State's journalism program. So go Spartans. Go yeah, Spartans. That, that, that helmet behind me over there. I, I saw that. Yeah, I yeah. saw that. And this was a real this is a really good year to say go Spartans when it comes to football, I, I guess. Yeah. There I, was think some... we, I think we would have beaten Nebraska. Yes. The people at <laughs> the the people at Nebraska don't want to hear that, but I yeah. uh, I'm pretty sure of that. And in fact, I told uh, some of my colleagues that early in the season, the 2020 football season, that that would happen, and they looked at me like I was an alien, and I yeah. I was being absolutely serious. But uh, it's there's been a lot of dry years, so it's it's nice it's nice to celebrate. Hey, uh, there's one way to find that out. They could they could <laughs> schedule us to a game. We'll even come there and take that check. There you go. And then it would be a big check these days. So, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. You, you say a San Jose native, uh, you, you went, went to San Jose state, you're a Bay area, Californian. Where did you find your interest in your, your love of journalism? Where, where did that start? It actually, uh, it started in the seventh grade at, uh, Sylvandale junior high school in San Jose. Um, we had a career day and, uh, you know, you get to pick who you want to listen to. Just so happened that there was a guy from the Golden State Warriors that was available uh, speaking. And so I certainly picked him thinking I was going to get a free bumper sticker, hat, T-shirt, something. And he didn't give nothing, but he, he gave me some like life-changing advice. You know, I was certainly like really paying attention to every word he had to say. And um, before that time I read this stat in Sports Illustrated that like less than 2% of all college basketball players made it to the NBA. And that really like struck a chord with me and uh, scared me. Made me realize that the chances of making NBA were slim and I had to, you know, think bigger. Um, but for some reason, the man uh, pointed at me and he says, so 
if you don't play in the NBA, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know. And he said, well, my advice to you is to um, find something where you combine what you do best in life. Uh, I mean, what you, what you love best in life with what you do best in school. And I'm like, okay, I'm school, I'm terrible in English. I, I, I love English, I'm terrible in science, and I'm terrible in, in math. So, I mean, I, I, I like to write. And what I love most in life, sports. And so I was like, English, writing, sports, sports writer. You know, and he said, if you could find something where you can combine what you love most in life with what you do best in school, you could have a job that you're happy to go to every day. Amazing advice. So the next day, Miss um, Thompson, our teacher, I still remember her. She said we had to write somebody in a field that we are interested in. And, and I, I really thought about it a lot. And I was like, sports writing thing sounds pretty cool. Like if I can't go to the Super Bowl as a player or the Major League World Series as a player or the NBA Finals as a player, the next best thing is to be there, working there. And so um, she said we had to write a letter to somebody in a field we were interested in. So I wrote a letter to San Jose Mercury News and columnist uh, Mark Perkin. Sent him a letter and he wrote me back telling me what I needed to do from seventh grade through college to be a sports writer. And he's like, okay. And junior high write on the school paper or the yearbook uh staff so when you get to high school you need to take all the typing classes you need to take like anything they offer write on yearbook staff or on the school paper then he said when you're in college at college you got to get on the school paper but also get as many internships as possible before you graduate and i followed that paper like it was a bible um i actually covered our eighth grade flag football team so if you go back and you go read the Sylvandale Junior High newspaper from 1984, which date myself, you can find stories in, that I wrote um, about the eighth grade flag football team. I would go to their practices, go to their games and, and write about them. And I actually, that's where I put the, my pen name, Mark J. Spears was a seventh graders decision. I, you know, I thought the J, might as well use the J, put the J in there. Yeah, there you go. I've been using it ever since. But I wrote on a school paper in, in, in high school. And we had a, a writer from the um, Mick Van Valkenburg. I don't know if you knew him. He was a writer for the San Jose Mercury News. And he taught a class once a week at my high school. So I got to be around a journalist. And then when I went, uh, I took all like typing one, two, three. Then I went to college. I begged for a free internship at the San Jose Metro covering their sports stories did that for a summer. Then I also um, wrote on the college papers at the three colleges I went to. I interned at the Grand Rapids Press through the National Association of Black Journalists. And then I also got an internship at the Dallas Morning News. So even though my college basketball career wasn't the greatest, I kind of felt like I was a first round pick in terms of the uh, sports journalists because, uh, and, and I also was a, a freelance uh, writer for the San Jose Mercury News after meeting uh, Bud Geraci, who was a columnist for the San Jose Mercury News at a practice, interviewing our star player at San Jose State, Terry Collins. And um, um, Terry Cannon, I'm sorry. And so I, I waited for him to interview Terry. When he was done, I, I went and introduced myself to Bud Geraci. And then two days later, I'm taking high school football scores. And a couple months after that, they're sending me to cover high school basketball games. And so, it was it was these journalists that I met that were in the San Jose area that ended up giving me advice and opportunity that that were life changing and and certainly opened up my world. So you had a pretty good idea then while you were still in college that this was uh, uh, going to be a pretty tough business that it was going to be very competitive that that the decisions you had made as a seventh grader um, were going to be impacted by this need to have a, a a, a drive and an ambition and a, and never say no kind of an attitude. So you learned that pretty early on then. Yeah, no, I remember when I went to sound, uh, to Foothill college, went to this is a junior college and near Stanford university. I went there first. And one of my teammates, 
guy named Troy McCoy, he's like, man, you're the only guy I played with that knew what he wanted to be when he walked in the door of college. Like, wow. And, and like, I mean, and I, I remember I had a coach, I, I played at the uh, HBCU University of DC for a year, uh, the late Ed Epps, who told me, I remember he said, if you cared about basketball as much as you do that goddamn journalism, you'd be a hell of a player. <laughs> and I was like, well, if I'm playing here, the NBA ain't looking at me, man. It's like, so, so I coach, care about that goddamn journalism. <laughs> so, you know? Coach, I'm one of the I'm one of the 99 of the players who yeah. aren't going to be in the NBA, right? Yeah. That's when great. they when, when they had that commercial during the NCAA tournament, now they talk about me. Yeah, <laughs> your picture is there. Huh? Yeah, they could have had me in the commercial, you know, like. Do you still have the same um, feeling when you get up in the morning that you did as a seventh, eighth grader, ninth grader into college that this is what you want to do? This is what gets you out of bed in the morning. This is what excites you. This is what makes the blood flow through your veins. Yeah, like, I mean, I tell people all the time, you know, I write about basketball for a living. Like, think about that. Like, I, <laughs> I get paid to write about basketball. So it's like, when I hear people complain, like about having to go to a game, like to me, that's like the best part is going to games. Like I, I so much miss being on the floor before a game or after a game, going into the locker room, visiting with the guys, building relationships um, with different people in the NBA. I, I really, really miss it. You know, um, this this job has has allowed me to see the world. Like I never, I never dreamed of seeing the world, you know, growing up in San Jose, you know, I, I saw family in St. Louis and New Orleans in the summer, but there weren't like dreams of seeing the world. I didn't know what a passport was or anything like that, but, you know, um, being in, in, in this field has taken me to China, Turkey, Bosnia, Sweden, um, you know, the Bahamas, um, shoot france um I, I could probably africa i could go on i mean i i i, I don't think i would have been india like do work <laughs> like i don't i don't think i would have been at these places otherwise if it wasn't for this job and i also like the it's not it, the odd hours like I can pretty much sleep in most of the time a little bit if I wanted to, even though I'm not, I'm not that kind of guy. Um, there is a lot of travel involved, especially in normal circumstances, but I write about basketball. I like, I always go back to that, that the core of it is I write about basketball for a living. Like I know all the greatest basketball players in the world. I've met them. Um, even like the former ones like Bill Russell, like Earl Lloyd, the first black basketball player, of all time, I, I spent time with him before he passed. Um, Bird, Magic, like all these guys, like Barkley, like I could call Barkley, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. like it's the, all these guys, Isaiah Thomas, Dominique Wilkins, people whose posters were on my wall as a child are like colleagues of mine or friends of mine, you know? And so I just, um, I think I just simply, was expecting to be, uh, you, you, you got to remember, like when I was coming up, we didn't have no internet was, I remember being at San Jose State, John, and they were like, um, you got to create an email. And I was like, we were like, what's an email? It was like right when the internet was being born, like, and obviously the Bay Area was there. Uh -huh. So I had my first email was a San Jose State email in like 93, right? And I was like, this thing is stupid. Like, why don't I just call somebody? Why do I need to like send them an email? Like, this is dumb. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't, I didn't get the concept. I'm like, so, but you gotta remember kids watching this. It wasn't like the email was coming to your phone then. There wasn't no phone, there wasn't no mobile phone. So you would send an email to somebody and they would read it whenever they happened to log on to their computer, which, wasn't like this it was yeah. <laughs> like 
Yeah. So, and that's not that long ago. It, it no. feels like a long time ago, but it wasn't yeah, really 30, almost 30 years ago, I yeah. guess. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but now the, the internet has, has dramatically changed my job. Like, you know, with, with Twitter, with Instagram, with just from a TV standpoint, being able to talk to you like this, um, being able to do live television, you know, from this room, I have a phone, um that i use and it has a thing in it called a tvu app right so now i connect that cell phone to this thing right here right put it on my desk and you know connect the earpiece to the phone to the phone and i could do a live shot on television yeah no no television crew here nothing it's just me and, and all that stuff is really incredible, but I didn't go to school for that. Like I had to like learn that along the way. So I think the one thing that's challenging for like your students now is, I think you, you, you have to learn everything, but you got to choose one thing. I don't know if that makes sense. Meaning mm -hmm. a lot of the college journalists that I meet now, yeah, I do podcasts and, and I write and, and, and I do, um, you know videos and i'm like but what one thing do you do great so they're, they're they're trying to learn everything but not being great at one thing and i think they should try to be great at the one thing they like the most because that's what ultimately is probably gonna get you in the door and you want to do something that you enjoy um so i i do think it's um it's good for the students to like yeah you got to learn everything but Make sure you're, you're the thing that you love the most, you're great at. And so it could allow you to get that first job. Yeah. And let's be honest, Mark, you and we're chatting with Mark J. Spears, and he has been Mark J. Spears since middle school in San Jose, California. He's <laughs> uh, the senior NBA writer for the undefeated and ESPN. I'm John Schrader. Um, and you wouldn't be doing television, Mark, if you weren't great as a writer and a reporter and, and deeply embedded in, in what you do. You wouldn't be doing radio if you didn't have that one thing that was driving, right? You, yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't do these other things. So that's no, the message I, there. Yeah. 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 No, I, um, writing has opened all those other doors, mm -hmm. you know. Um, uh, I mean, while I do all those other things, um, writing is still my go-to move. As, as, you know, <laughs> like, gonna, yeah, don't don't take that away from me. Mark Spears from the Undefeated joins us from Houston. And Mark, typically, I thought parades came after you won the title, but I understand that there was something <laughs> of a trophy parade in Houston on uh, Monday night. Tell me about it. Yeah. Definitely something interesting behind the scenes. Uh, the Rockets family members all sit in this section behind the scenes by the loading dock and sadden, looking in one direction. And in that direction is where the, uh, the Warriors uh, Western Conference title parade took place. They strolled by them. Draymond Green yelled in C.J. Paul, Chris Paul's brother's ear. Uh, they were hooting and hollering. Uh, Queen When you were starting um, 30 years ago, uh, were there many people in the room who, who looked like you, who had experiences that you had and uh, that you could look around and say, hey, um, I'm, like, I'm like this guy. We, we, we share uh, similar experiences. Were there many people like that? You know, there might have been, but I didn't know because, you know, the TV sports journalists, I mean, the sports journalists aren't on TV like weren't on TV like they are now. So I didn't know like the writers that I was reading growing up. Like I didn't know if Bud Dracy was white, black, green, or yellow. You know, I didn't know Mark Purdue. I assumed they were white. They were, but they weren't on journalists weren't on TV like that. So I and then you know I would have loved to have met Bill Roden long long time ago and some uh you know david aldridge and all these folks um you know like i remember they seeing david aldridge uh on espn in the 90s with mark jones and they were doing that like an nba kind of today show 
and it was two black journalists and that was like really like cool to me to see that um and and that was like the first time i saw folks like me but it, it wasn't until i started going to the national association of black journalists convention that i actually saw and met like black journalists and uh it, it was certainly very eye-opening to me um, to, to go to a convention and see hundreds, thousands of people that that did like look like me that I could connect with and learn from, like, you know, Rob Parker and Gary Howard, um, you know, a, a lot of Neil Scarborough, a lot of different, you know, journalists like that. And, um, but outside of that, like, going into business. I remember covering Arkansas. My first job was covering Arkansas football and basketball team and being the only black reporter there. And I worked for a paper in Tulsa and it was scary. Like I would drive from Tulsa to Fayetteville for games and some practices and stuff. Did a lot of things on the phone, but I was definitely in Fayetteville a lot. And people would tell me like, be careful because that's KKK country in between the two cities. And so make sure you're gassed up, make sure your car's okay. Like you don't want to get stopped. You, one, you don't want to get a ticket. Two, you don't want your car to break down. So it was always, especially after a game, and you gotta remember, we didn't have cell phones at this point, like driving up and back from Fayetteville, Arkansas was always scary. I remember covering um, a game at Mississippi State and the lady wouldn't rent me a car because I was black. And I was, you know, she she made up something about, well, if you don't have this code, then I'm not going to rent your car. And I had a confirmation number and everything. And she, so I remember she's like, I won't rent you a car, but the person next to me will. And it was like some mom and pop uh, rental car thing. And then I remember they rented me, uh, and this was in 95 a Buick Skylark that was like an 88 car and had to roll up windows where, you know, you went like that. And I turned the radio station on. It was like a black radio station. So it just basically told me that, wow, you know, in order for a black person to rent a car, you had to go to only that place. And I just remember being crushed, getting room service, which was out of my budget um, and paying it for myself because I didn't want to leave the hotel. And I went to the game the next day and I just remember um, the reporters, like all white reporters, but I've been around them a lot. Like, you know, Mark ain't usually this quiet. He kind of just sat by himself when he ate, like, and finally somebody came up to me like, you okay? And I had told him what happened the night before. And I, I just remember that night, they're like, nah, man, you going to dinner with us tonight. You know, we're going to make sure you come to dinner with us. And so I just remember going to dinner with them that night and I always appreciated that, you know. Um, then from there, I went and covered the Angels, uh, backed up, uh, covered the Angels and backed up the Dodgers and covered Cal State Northridge for the LA Daily News. And then, so you think you're in California and, and nothing would happen there. And they had a um, uh, general manager by the name of Bill Bavese, who for some reason wanted to give me a hard time all the time. And I was new on the beat. I was the only black dude on the beat. Um, only person of color on the beat. Obviously there was no women. And he was just like, just an asshole really. Like to be honest, uh, every time we, sorry about the language, but that's, every that's time okay. I, okay. I had to in, interact that's with him. And so there was a, um, a reporter who has since passed by the name of Terry Johnson, who he was married to um, an Asian woman. And one day he, he, he told Bavese, he's like, look, man, you need to stop. You need to stop. You need to stop treating him like that. You need to stop talking to him like that. And so uh, he, he passed away like a couple years later in a tragic car accident. I think he had a heart attack. And I ended up sending his wife a, a, a card, like telling her that I really appreciated him, like sticking up for me, you know? Um, so definitely early in my career, uh, I, I dealt with that a lot. And I think that's why a lot of, um, you see a lot of black writers covering the NBA. And I think you see a lot covering the NFL because you see more people like us, 
um, more people of color covering those sports. And, you know, as a former chair of the National Association of Black Journalist Sports Task Force, I would try to tell young journalists, I'm like, look, if you want to move up the ladder faster, go cover baseball, go cover college sports, you know, um, golf, soccer, you know, cover some of the other sports. And, but I could sense that there was this like comfort zone that they'd prefer to be in. And I got it. I can't say nothing. I've been covering the NBA since 99, right? That being in covering the NBA or covering the NFL afforded them. And like, I've, I've had to try to beg black journalists to cover baseball. And I think there's like three or four, maybe. Yeah. But in terms of the NBA, there's probably 30, <laughs> well, 30 to 40, right? So unfortunately, um, baseball is not very sexy to the young um, people anyway. They, yeah. you know, most of, most, that part of my, too. most of my students think it's long and it's boring. And why do you want to watch three or four hours? And it's not exciting. And I, yeah. I don't, I, I'm not but, interested. But what, in... I, what I try to tell them too, is like, you got to see the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you could get to the NBA by covering baseball you can get to the nba by covering college athletics because you're going to get like so my first job i covered arkansas that's pretty big yeah Even they didn't pay me nothing <laughs> like i got i got to cover the sec in arkansas out of college that led to a a, a major league baseball job that led to me going back to uh, college sports covering like Kentucky and Louisville for a Louisville paper. And then I started covering NBA. So you could, you, and, and, and NHL too. I beg, there's like one, one or two black people. NHL. Yeah. Yeah. There's one. I mean, we got a black writer in Seattle that's passionate about it. He's covering yeah. that the new team. So yeah. my point is like, I think young journalists shouldn't be short-sighted. Like, I tell them, I'm like, this ain't it. This ain't, this doesn't mean you got to cover this your whole career. Just get the opportunity. If you got a chance to cover the Cubs or the Yankees or the Dodgers, like that's big. Like, yeah, yeah. Like jump on it, do it for a year, two years, three years. And then, so you tell me if, if you cover the Dodgers and the next job opens up, that they're not going to like think you could do it. Mm-hmm. Like, of course they can. So, but they're like, no, I want to go directly to that. And that's, that's typically a lot harder to do. So I think just that there needs to be more. And, and this is with all journalists of color. Like, okay, you don't like baseball, but baseball could ultimately get you to where you want to go. Right. And it's an every day. It's a grind it out. It's a learn a lot in oh, a I short amount a of time job, right? Yeah. I, I mean, it's a lot. I mean, yeah. You got crazy deadlines. Um, somebody, one pitch could, one home run could dramatically alter your game story. Yeah. Which is, which is, which <laughs> Not is like written. basketball yeah. where you're like, yeah. okay, they're, they're on a 10 to 2 run now. They, they have a shot at it. Yeah. No, this team could be up three nothing and then somebody hit a grand slam and then everything changes. You know yeah, what I mean? So you're so, rewriting that thing in yeah, 15, so, 15 minutes after the ninth inning. So, yeah. Covering baseball helped my writing dramatically. Helped me write game stories. Um, it was a there was so many games, and you got to interact with the player. I, I learned a lot. So yeah. I just my point is that you, just because you want to cover football, or NFL, or NBA, don't think that going straight there is the only way to go because it's it's harder it's it's cluttered it's it's those jobs aren't opening as much you know so 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 mark mark spears of the undefeated and espn is with us i'm john schrader so um how optimistic are you about um you know what what do you tell a young person uh, of color or a young person who wants to get into this business it's changing faster than you can imagine. And uh, the resources and the challenges and, and all of the things that you and I know about the business. Um, what advice would you give a 20 year old or a 22 year old who might be passionate as you were at that age about getting into this business? Um, don't be, 
be afraid to get out of your comfort zone. If you if there's an entry level job in Texas, in some small town in Texas, and you're getting to cover high schools and small colleges, and that's the only opportunity you have, take it. Like, don't sit around and like, you know, I want to do the NBA, so I'm gonna do an NBA podcast. Yeah, but you're not going to NBA games. So why does somebody want to listen to what you have to say about the NBA when you're not even at the game? You're just watching them on TV. Like, yeah, you, don't know, you don't know anything. Yeah, You're not in the trenches. You're just a fan giving your opinion, really. But if you're actually covering something, you're going to get experience. Like, and I've seen writers go to small papers. I, there's a um, young writer I know who went to a small paper in Texas. He did it for like a year and a half covering high school and small colleges. Then he ended up going back home to Seattle and he, he covered the Seahawks for the Seattle post Intelligencer, which is the smaller paper in Seattle. It's not the Seattle times did, done that for like three years. And then he's parlayed that into covering the Titans for the Tennessean. Um, and he's still been, his name is Ben Arthur. He's still, a young guy, he went to University of uh, Portland. Um, and so I, I respect his route. Like he wasn't scared to go to this small town in Texas and, and cut his teeth and not know anybody. Like I, my first job was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, making 19,000 before taxes, driving past McDonald's and wondering should I get a part-time job there? And I know that sounds awful, but I do pretty good right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's working out. <laughs> yeah, so don't don't worry about the money. Worry about your love of it, you know. And ultimately, you just just like you don't have to go. If you want to come to ESPN, fine, but they're gonna have you bringing people coffee, right? I mean, there's not there's only a handful, less than a handful of Malika Andrews out there who just, you know, but Malika basically gave up her college life um, at University of Portland, another University of Portland person to do what she is now. And, and she got good breaks along the way too and made the best of her opportunities. It's just, she's rare. Yeah. But for the majority of people that really, really want to do this, you, there's going to be some uncomfortable times. There's going to be a poor stretch you're gonna to have to go to a city that you're not excited about. But ultimately, if you love writing about sports or broadcasting about sports, do it. Yeah. Like, you, you're around sports for a living. And, and then also, I would also, another thing is we, especially with people of color, there's too many of us that are like me, writers. Um, people that are in front of the camera. They need more of us behind the scenes more producers, more uh, editors, more sports editors, more station managers, you know, um, people that make decisions on what's in the newspaper or what's online or what's on television. Like we, the majority now, there's more of us on TV, but I, I'd say every time I go to a TV shoot, it's rare or it ain't never, even at the undefeated, working for a site where we write about race and culture. Anytime I do something on TV, the majority of the, the production staff is white, right? They look like me. Yeah. The, the people who make decisions look like me. Yeah. And you, so I, if we want, if, if we want change, then, you know, we got to have more representation behind the scenes too, to, to hope to, you know, to get a more diverse background in, in terms of hiring of people that are in hiring power or decision making. Is that pendulum swinging at all, do you think? Well, not really. Not really, because I think um, the, the job I have is a sexier job, or those jobs are ones that, you know, a lot of people of color aren't getting considered for. So I do think it's also important that the journalism schools start pushing those kind of jobs too or and, and like at an early school mm -hmm. level to explain the you know these are the cooks these are the chefs 
but this is the person that owns the restaurant or runs the restaurant, you know, like explain what these other jobs are. I mean, it, it's, and, and that's, I think, where the real change comes. And until we get more people behind the scenes, I, I don't think it's going to truly be a fair representation. Mark Spears is with us, ESPN, The Undefeated. I'm John Schrader. Um, you went to The Undefeated about five years ago, I guess, um, from yeah. Yahoo. Is that, is that about right? Yeah. Uh, it, it's at the intersection of sports and race and culture. Um, give me an idea of, of what the mission is and, and are you happy with that mission? And are you, uh, do you believe you're making a difference um, in the world, not just journalism, but in the world at The Undefeated? Yeah, I mean, this is certainly the best job I've ever had. Um, it's not easy um, when I'm writing about race all, all the time. You know, certainly there are a lot of people that I think when we started that were anti what we were doing. Like, why do we need this race? No race issues, race, race issues. What are you talking about? Like, why are you writing about race? And unfortunately, I think there were even people at my own at ESPN that didn't even understand it or see see the the, the big, big picture of it. And but over these past four years, certainly a lot has happened that not only showed the importance of the undefeated, for which I, I think is like almost like a Jackie Robinson of sports journalism, but now you see like the New York Times and the Washington Post and different websites of note having similar uh, writers to write about race in sports. And so I, I think I've been able to write stories about uh, the lack of black representation in terms of general managers in the NBA, coaches in the NBA, bring light to different uh, executives, to females. Um, I got a list that I'm doing it kind of top secret, but I guess I could share it about, um, you know, top black women behind the scenes in the NBA, who are they? Um, I've chronicled Michelle Roberts a lot, you know, like basically bringing highlight to the race issues in sports, but then also celebrate those that have done well and, and um, done, done stories about them. And I even did a story recently about, um, how the NBA only had three female agents who represented players on opening night rosters. Uh, two white women, uh, one Mexican, and there's no black women that, that um, represent. So hopefully there was some young black girl who read that and said, I want to do that. I can do that. If, if they could do it, I could do it. So I, I think a lot of what I get to write is educational, it's enlightening, it might make some people angry in, in a good way or a bad way. Um, but I think it's just really, really meaningful to me because it's, it's deeper than just sports. It's um, bringing light to things that need light. And it, it feels good every time somebody comes up to me, you know, or calls me or texts me and says, man, thank you. Thank you for writing that. Uh, because if you didn't, then it just go by the wayside again. Um, there certainly is a lot of pressure with that. Cause as I told somebody recently, I like, man, I can't save the world, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I need some other people to do stuff too. Like it, it can't all be on me, but you know, too much is given, they say, right. In the Bible. Yeah. So, um, there's the pressures that come with it, but it's beautiful pressure and, uh, I, I think that I've had some impact writing about race with this job in terms of the NBA that I never would have had if I just covered the NBA like I used to. So how does the process work there? Do you, you get to write about a lot of stuff you want? Do you have a big staff? Um, uh, you have a small, I, 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 by the look on your face, that, that would be small staff. 
so how does the yeah. process work? You write about what you want to write. How often do you have to write? Uh, let me throw three or four other questions in here. How much time do you get yeah. to write them? And you know, give me a little bit of an idea of what the process yeah. is of, the, of getting something to the finish line there. Yeah, I have some amazing editors, most notably a guy named um, Matthew Wong, who I talked to. They, I actually just got off the phone with him before we did this about story ideas and um, he's a great editor. Um, what I'm thinking about, and he, he gives me honest feedback, and I trust him um, to say, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> like, or, yeah, no, that's a great idea. Let's see what we could do. And typically, they just let me go. They trust me. And, you know, our sports editor, Monique Walker, another editor, Ashley Melfi, they've, um, really trusted me to do my job and and you know i i have tons of ideas i'm always coming up with something and and luckily i've been my, my time in covering nba has given me some amazing access even during the pandemic so but in terms of stories it's just it just depends on what the story is there might be some interesting breaking news that i could write about and turn around in 20 minutes but then there's another story about like what it's like to be black playing for the Celtics that took me two years. So it just it just depends on the story. There's there's a story I'm working on on a former NBA player that had some um, gambling issues that I've been working on for about four months. I'll be happy when I give birth to that one, yeah. you know. Um, and then there's there's things I turn. So it's every every story is mutually exclusive and um, uh, just based on its own merit. So this has been, I get the feeling, uh, uh, fulfilling and, uh, and uh, the timing was great. And uh, this has been um, almost serendipitous, this opportunity. Yeah, yeah, you know, I just, um, you know, growing up in San Jose in a place that wasn't, I, I lived around mostly people of color, but, just a small percentage of black people. So, you know, my mom and dad instilled a lot of black pride in me early. And I, I dealt with a lot of racism from my youth to through to adulthood till now. But I, I think those, the pain that I had, it, you know, I'm not gonna like tell all the stories cause we could be here for a while of things I dealt with um, racism wise coming up has certainly helped my fire in terms of you know, writing in these stories and understanding these stories. And, and it, it, when your name is on, on stories about race, that, that could be very painful and uh, tough and, and dramatic. And, you know, um, people could be, also could be angry about them, like a lot, a lot of emotional stories. Like it, it could take a mental toll on you a little bit, you know? Um, having to write about that all the time, but I just feel like that's kind of like a, a purpose that I had, you know? Like, I'm really proud of, of what I write about and, and what it represents and what it brings a spotlight to. And, and oftentimes I feel like I'm giving a voice, not so much to the voiceless, but to someone who's scared to say it. You know, like, uh, if, there are so many black people in the NBA that are worried that if they say something that they could get blackballed, lose their jobs, not get a job because they, they looked at as too militant. So it's like, and a lot of times I feel like I'm the so-called bad guy for them. Yeah. But in its essence, I'm like, I guess the good guy, cause I'm like speaking what they're scared to speak about, yeah. which is sad that they're scared to speak about. Like, but, you know, I, I take pride in bringing light to a lot of the injustices in the NBA. So the timing uh, 2016 coincides with uh, a whole lot that's happened in the last four or five years, right? Uh, Kaepernick, you're one of the first guys who gets into talk to Kaepernick after this stuff all blows up in, in 2016. Then let's fast forward a few years. You've got not only that, uh, ongoing kerfuffle, but Black Lives Matter and the pandemic and all of this stuff. Um, have you seen, uh, you know, how have those four or five years um, really 
changed you, if that's the right question, or changed the way you look at at, at the world? Mm. I've seen all this already. Yeah. I think sadly, people just in a lot of ways just paying attention to it. I mean, like John, you were in San Jose when Rodney King took place, mm -hmm. you know, so that was Rodney King was my George Floyd. When that took happened, I, I remember there being, you know, um, when Rodney King verdict came out and, and the cops basically didn't get anything. There were, there were riots in L.A. There were riots in the Bay Area, maybe not as pronounced as the ones in L.A., but there were. And I remember my mom seeing how angry I was and not allowing me to leave the house. You know, um, I was in, I believe, in junior college and I was at home, living at home. And she just like, you can't, I can't let you go. I don't want nothing bad to happen. I can't let you go. And um, so, but my mom grew up in the civil rights movement. So that's her George Floyd moment. You know what I mean? Like this, I, I had a lot of white friends that called me after George Floyd who wanted to see how I was doing, but I think they really wanted to talk to me and, and felt like I was an honest, comfortable space to talk to. And, and it, it, was, it was certainly strange to me because these are things that have been happening for since slavery. And so for a lot of, you know, white people or even other people of color to like suddenly say, wow, this is horrible. Like, I'm like, this has been happening. This is not new. This is, you just decided to, the pandemic made people pay attention and see the video over and over and watch it and see how horrible it is. But then for black people, this is nothing new. This is, you know, so I remember my sister saying, I'm like, it's, it's, I don't know if it's good and bad that I've had a lot of white people like suddenly hit me up and say, hey, you know, man, this is horrible. And she's like, well, at least they're paying attention now. It took a while, but at least they're paying attention now. So that I, what I've often told a lot of my friends that, you know, were a blind eye to it and suddenly are stunned, shocked, pained by it. I'm like, you can't lose that fire. Like how you feel should last a lifetime, not a, not a season. Because obviously, you know, what you're seeing with the Asian community now too, like, like racism isn't ending, you know, um, pain within racism isn't ending and it, it, none of it is right. Whether it's against black, Asian, Latinx, gay, none of it is right. And white, white people too, like white people could get haze for for things that happen too and then, but there's a lot of white people that have helped black people out um through the black lives matter movement and and civil rights movement and there are white people walking with dr king um so i think ultimately we just got to fight for the human race fight for what's right and and not choose a side <laughs> like yeah. you, you know what i mean just yeah, we're all yeah. human we all breathe we all yeah lead the same and we were born nobody said hey do you want to be black i get to pick <laughs> like i am who i am and i'm very proud to be who i am I'm, I'm i'm glad i'm black i love it um but there's a way to end all this like people could just treat people like human beings and treat them for the person they are and not yeah. the color they are and then it's so racism is just so like ridiculous to me that somebody could think they're better than you just because of the color of their skin. Mark Spears, uh, a senior NBA writer for the undefeated and ESPN. I'm John Schrader. Um, do you feel like you, you, Mark Spears is, is making a difference in the world in these really important areas? It's not really for me to say, I mean, I guess I should ask you that. I think so. Yes. <laughs> I think so. Yes. Um, maybe I should ask you then, 
how important it is it for you to make a difference? It's uh, I, I would say this, you know, with all due respect to my previous job at Yahoo Sports, which gave me my first opportunity to be an NBA writer. Like every 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 writer, it's like the singers. People get excited about singing about different things, different genres. Like to me just writing about breaking news and trades and just normal regular features. There's nothing wrong with that, but it didn't, uh, it didn't get me excited. I felt like I was just doing the same thing, making the same cake over and over again. But with what I'm doing now, with what I'm doing with the undefeated, which to me was groundbreaking, history-making, and it doesn't have a flash in a pan purpose. If, you know, somebody makes a trade, that's the hot story at that moment, but eventually the trade's made, right? Whereas I feel like um, a lot of what I write about is something that, you know, 50 years ago from now, people might be using as reference material. Oh man, this happened and let's read this story that, you know, give some context to this thing, this NBA bubble that took place in 2020 during their pandemic. You know, like I, I think that I'll have written some stories that done some work that, you know, will be significant in the human race, you know, um, the black race, the for people of color. It just to me, it's just more meaningful to me than, you know, I think I have worked that when you look for reference material later, oh yeah, he wrote, hey, he wrote a lot of these things. Whereas like, to me, other stuff just comes and goes. I, I feel like what I'm having writing now has could have a lasting impact. But so I, I'd certainly like to not have to write about it no more. But hey, man, racism is like really strong and 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 creative. And these last four years, they've done a great job of making the undefeated seem very necessary. The timing was good. So. <laughs> At, we haven't heard for content at no. all. So at the risk of asking you to tell us what your favorite children are, um, give us a, a two or three uh, titles of pieces that if if somebody is watching this or listening to this and said, okay, um, I'm pretty impressed with this guy. Um, I'm going to read him. Give me yeah. a, a two or three pieces that you say people, I, you think people should read. Um. The one I mentioned before about what it's like to be black playing for the Boston Celtics. I've worked on that for two years. I'm really, really proud of that. Um, I definitely think you should check that out. Um, I also did something similar with the Utah Jazz. And so I'm trying to think of a new one for next season. So anybody wants, I'm actually thinking about maybe flipping it and doing the city where it's like, heavily black like atlanta or detroit um and writing from that perspective um I'll, I'll throw in some video stuff i did a piece on um two pieces there one on damon lillard uh which is called cover story and then also i went to beijing with stefan marbury um basically showing his life as uh exiled NBA player with with some some mental pain from the death of his father and his his died NBA career to to resurfacing in China and, and making a name for himself and also I went to France with Tony Parker uh, who owns a basketball team there and traveled around with him for a couple of days and that's a great video I'm trying to think of another story. I've written so many stories, man. Just uh, if you click on my name on one of my stories, everything's there. Um, so I definitely think uh, you'll find something that that you really, really like. Um, can, you, can you imagine, Mark, um, at this point in your life doing anything else? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Only because I just, you, there's going to be a day, man, where they probably going to tap me on the shoulder and say they don't want me anymore. That's, 
what happens in life, right? You know, um, uh, I would love to do this, but you know, uh, I, I certainly would love to probably do more video documentaries. And so I have a documentary on um, Hulu, not Hulu, on um, Amazon Prime called uh, actually Katrina Cop in the Superdome. I'd like to continue what I'm doing, but also take some things to the next level, if that makes sense. And the next level is something deeper or something more 21st century? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't mean 21st century, but more digital, more uh, taking more, it to... I, I, I love doing documentary stuff, like telling people stories. I, I lo love to do more of that. Um, you know, I have my master's, so certainly I have other things but in terms of being at the undefeated i love it i i wouldn't want to leave that so i think the only way i go away from that is if they don't want me anymore and they seem to like me for the moment that's the key in life isn't it make them like you as long as possible right? yeah yeah <laughs> keep doing great work well from a, a seventh grade kid in san jose california to um to where you are now um you know you talked about um seeing the world um tell that seventh grader uh, tell that seventh grader what what the ride has been like and that uh you know give me an idea of what you would tell that seventh grader now I tell them thank you thank you be, for being smart enough to be realistic uh to who you are um that you didn't have you had mba dreams but they weren't grandiose dreams you know i think that seventh grader for just reading and, and being realistic and studying and having a bigger picture than just the sexy you know the the bright light like um having the foresight to like i've been to like 20 nba finals 20 20 nba all-star games uh, i've covered the olympics like i didn't playing it but i was there <laughs> well that's the next you best know, thing I've right yeah. i've seen more nba games than the majority of the players that have played in nba yeah and my knees don't hurt you know so <laughs> <laughs> um that that's the one thing i I tell kids too is like you know there's a way to be there without actually being on the court and it's still being meaningful and i'm like See all those people that work for the Warriors, like pay attention to it when you go to the games. The Warriors win, the Lakers win, the Knicks win. Um, you get a ring too. Like you, you, they get rings. Those people, I, I've seen Kevin Durant pass out rings to Warriors employees, you know? So you, I'm, I wake up like that guy said in seventh grade, I wake up to a job I'm excited about every day. And, um, I'm not going to say there's not any challenges or stresses that come along the way and, and no utopia, but this is pretty cool. So yeah. what do you then tell a 22-year-old a who's about to graduate from college who wants to be uh, Mark J. Spears, who wants to do what you do? What, what advice would you give him or her? Um, well, hopefully you've had a few internships already. Hopefully you've had some part-time professional work too which gives you some video clips or some um you know digital clips some written clips and whatever you do but just don't be closed-minded like don't limit yourself if the only opportunity you have is in idaho go go like nothing is forever it's okay to start on a low level but the good thing about starting on those low levels is you can make mistakes and it's not the end of the world. And that's what going to Tulsa afforded me, you know, the opportunity to make mistakes and learn and grow and build my foundation to help me get to where I am now. Don't worry about getting to the top. If you build your foundation and get experience, you'll get to the top eventually the right way, the experience way and, and where you'll have longevity. Um, so don't don't worry about hitting home runs in the beginning, man. Just just get on base, get on base, and get your career started. And no matter where that is, and realize that nothing's forever. But if you do great work, then you get to the next base, and to the next base, and to the next base, and, and ultimately to 
home plate where you want to be. And thank God, Mark, your car never broke down between uh, Tulsa and Fayetteville <laughs> or yeah. between Fayetteville and Tulsa on the way home from yeah. a college football right. game. So, yeah. Hey, hey, thank you so much. This has been, uh, I took more time than I, than I promised. And uh, this has been a lot of fun and congratulations on uh, all the great things you've done, all the great work you're doing. And, uh, and it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Thanks. My pleasure too, brother. Yeah. Take care. From, uh, from San Jose to the world. Mark J. Spears, who's the uh, senior NBA writer for the Undefeated and ESPN. I'm John Schrader.